Good morning, Mountain Park. Welcome. My name is Alan. I'm getting started a little bit early today because we are going to leave a little bit of room on the end for the party, for the celebration of baptisms. And if you are here as a guest or as family member for those who are being baptized, we particularly want to welcome you. So glad that you're here. But between now and that party, you have no choice other than to listen to me. Well, you do have a, you can go to the restroom for 20 minutes or so, but, uh, but uh, uh, maybe just kind of relax. Okay, so um, a few questions to get us started here. Why is it that when you have a good story so often in a social setting, why is it that when you're finishing up your story that somebody in the room often wants to one-up your story? That they, they say, oh, well, that's nothing. One time I... Da, 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 da. Why is it that when you call your parents, if you don't live with your parents anymore, when you call them, why is it that sometimes they feel it is necessary to give all the details about something that happened to their neighbor yesterday, this neighbor that you've never met or have no relationship whatsoever? Why is that? Why is it that some people, not anybody in this room I imagine, spend hours upon hours on Facebook updating their status and looking and responding to other people's Stati. Why is it that when you choose to sit down with Aunt Betty and listen to her stories that after a while uh, and you realize it's, it's time to go, why is it that she does not pick up on the subtle cues that you might offer saying it's time to wrap up here? Maybe it's eye contact where you're kind of shifting a little bit more. You're shifting. Uh, maybe you're uh, kind of reaching for your keys or maybe you're standing by the door with your coat on. Those subtle clues that we might give? Why is it that Aunt Betty continues to talk through that? Why is it that my kids say, Daddy, 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 when I, I'm on the phone and it's so clearly obvious that I'm on the phone? Why do these things happen? Because, as the title for this morning suggests, everybody wants to be heard. Everybody wants to be heard. What we're doing is we're looking at different character traits and inviting God to inspire and challenge us with different character issues as we're going through God's overall story, what we're calling the whole shebang. And so if everyone wants to be heard, then who's going to listen to them? I mean, we shouldn't have to pay a professional counselor to have somebody finally sit down and listen to us. I think it is a character issue for us at times to set aside our natural desire to be heard so that we can be the one who listens. That's where we're going at this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, I do invite you once again to come and have access to our hearts, to our character. As we continue throughout this year, there are different moments, different things that you want to do within us, that, that the Holy Spirit wants to move and challenge within us. And so, God, whatever you want to do in this room, I pray that you would have your way, that I and nor nothing else would get in the way. God, we pray these things according to your character. Amen. Amen. Well, 
how we're looking at these different character traits is we're looking at different characters throughout the whole shebang story. Again, that's what we're calling the, the, the overall grand epic story of God. And so we're looking at different characters throughout that. Right now, if you have a binder uh, or if you're not aware, we have binders in the lobby so you could join us on this journey. Each week we put a piece of paper in there and it kind of builds the story. But this week, we are in, uh, in a section that I started uh, actually last week called the Revolution. And this covers the second half of the New Testament story. It's after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is what we looked at as the Messiah. Now we have the followers of Christ deciding what are they going to do with this revolution that Christ started. And the character who is part of the revolution that we're going to take a look at today is a guy named James. James is the younger brother of Jesus. He's one of the younger brothers of Jesus, and that had to have been a difficult role. The number of times, perhaps, that mom said, why can't you be perfect like your older brother? Maybe uh, mom said, uh, you know, Jesus would never have done that, young man, and, and that whole deal. And in fact, there's evidence in John chapter 7 that James didn't even believe that his older brother was the Messiah, that he was the Christ. And, and I mean, it, it'd be hard to, to believe, oh, that's my brother, that's Jesus, you know, you know that kind of thing. But, but uh, there's evidence that he wasn't uh, quite there, wasn't quite uh, uh, agreeing with that, but eventually he did come to embrace Jesus as the Lord, Savior, as the Messiah. James was not one of the 12 disciples. There is, that's another James who was one of the 12 disciples. Um, it could be that Jesus didn't want his little brother hanging around. I, didn't, I don't know how that all worked out. Those were Jesus' decisions. But James did become a, a powerful leader in the revolution, and he embraced Jesus as the one and only Messiah that the Jews had been waiting for. In fact, James became the, uh, the leader in the church in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the center of all the, of the, the stories that we've been talking about, about this whole shebang story. Jerusalem is the very center of it, and he is the leader of the Jerusalem church there. I mean, this is a big deal. He uh, he was persecuted by the Roman officials who were threatened by those who continued to claim Jesus as the Messiah, Jesus as the Lord, the Christ, the King. And he was eventually beaten and uh, beaten to death. Legend has it, we don't see this in Scripture, but we see this outside of the biblical um, uh, text. Legend has it that he said the very same words that Jesus said on his deathbed, that he, while he was beaten, said, Lord, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That he got to that kind of belief, that kind of place. In our New Testament, there is a book that bears his name, um, the book of James. That's actually what we're going to take a look at for a little bit this morning. It's near the end of the New Testament, if you'd like to go ahead and try to find that. Uh, James is, uh, is a letter that, that James wrote as a pastor of the Jerusalem church, he wrote it to the Jews from his church who had scattered throughout the region. So it was a letter of encouragement, it was a letter of challenge, it was a letter of inspiration to the Jewish followers of Christ who were scattered around. 
And if you're familiar with the book of James, some people are big fans of the book of James. Uh, It is a pretty terse, get-to-the-point book. It's only five chapters, but it contains quite a wallop, if you will. It's been referred to by some as the Proverbs of the New Testament. So he gets right to the point. Now, you might be thinking, wow, here's a pastor who gets to the point. Wouldn't that be cool? Uh, (laughs) Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing? But uh, James is the book we're taking a look at this morning. And I want to read just a few verses that uh, pertain to the topic today that... um, we're part of James' challenge to these scattered Jews. I'm I'm in chapter 1, James chapter 1, verse 19. James 1, 19, he says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. That's basically all I want to talk about this morning is James' command for us to be quick to listen and slow to speak. We don't know much about James' character, but it seems consistent with what we do know of his character that he would, that he would say this. He just has five chapters in the Bible, the pastor of this church in Jerusalem, and he gets to the point quickly. He doesn't babble. I think he models quick to listen, slow to speak. Now, unfortunately, this is not the natural way for us to do life. Out of our desire to be heard, this is not naturally the way we respond. Now, you would think it should be anatomically. We have two ears and one mouth. I'm sure you've heard that. And our ears are open and exposed, ready to roll. Yet the tongue that James talks about, we're going to talk about it in a few minutes, it is walled in behind our teeth. And yet it is our, our tongue, our mouth, that is so often the one that is quick to speak. Naturally, what happens is that when somebody talks, we are formulating in our mind what we are going to say next. What our mouth is going to do next becomes the priority over listening to what the person is saying. We either get defensive or we get distracted or, or whatever it is that we kind of drift from the listening mode to, okay, I want to speak. When's it my turn? When, when is it my turn? Or that when we do open our mouths, what we do is that we prove that in that moment where we were supposed to be listening, that we didn't understand what was being said. When we open our mouths, we prove that we did not understand. I got this as an email uh, recently. It was a, it was a, like, a, like a Dear Abby kind of advice column piece, and uh, the title of it, do we have this available here? Why Men Should Not Write Advice Columns. I know it would be a little tricky for you to read here. But it says here, uh, Dear Pete, I hope you can help me. The other day I set off for work, leaving my husband in the house watching TV. My car stalled, and then it broke down about a mile down the road. I had to walk back to get my husband's help. And the story goes on saying that she went back after the car stalled and went back to check in on her husband. And he was with a younger woman having an affair. And so she's distraught. What do I do? I am a 
a, I'm afraid, I'm a wreck, and I need advice urgently. Can you please help me? This is a, a sincerely Sheila. And now the advice column responds, Dear Sheila, a car stalling after being driven a short distance can be caused by a variety of faults with the engine. Start by checking that there is, you know, today's talking about the fuel line and talking about all these kinds of things. This is why men should not write advice columns. Now, Open mouth and prove that we did not understand. Just because you're not talking doesn't mean you're listening. Just because the vocal cords aren't vibrating, it doesn't mean that you are listening. And I'm not, I'm not dogging on men here because both of us genders uh, struggle with this. But, but here's an example that is often a male issue. Often but not always is that when we respond, when we prove that we did not understand, what we do so often is we jump into problem-solving mode. So for a guy who's just heard a bunch of information, well, what am I supposed to do with this information, with these facts, if not fix the problem? What, what, why, why do I have all this information if I'm not supposed to package things together and say, well, here's three things that you can do? Here's the three-step program for how this can happen, and here's the part that I'll be involved in, and here's the part that I won't be involved in. Okay, what's your next question? What's your next problem? It's, just, it's this problem-solving mode that we jump in on. I had to learn this so importantly in my marriage. This was a big deal for me. I had no clue about this when I first got married. And so I was instantly going into problem-solving mode. I love my wife, and I want to do what I can to help her. There's a problem? Boom, let's see what we can do about it. And what I had to learn is that there are some times where she just wants me to go, oh. She doesn't want me to fix the problem. She wants me to listen. And so what happens now is still, I mean, I've been married 13 years and still figuring this stuff out, but, but I don't know if she wants me to solve a problem or not. Now, there are times when people want you to solve a problem. So we have this thing. It is a regular deal in our home where I will say, okay, honey, do you want me to help you solve this problem or do you want me to just listen? And it's no problem for her if I ask that question. And she'll say, yes, this time I want some help. I want some help with this. Or she'll just say, just shut up and listen. She doesn't use the word shut up, but that's my interpretation. It's okay. <laughs> I'm not sure what she was saying. I wasn't. But <laughs> we jump to the problem. The only thing worse than jumping to problem solving is solving the wrong problem. I mean, how often does that happen? Somebody's talking, and they're halfway through their story or whatever, and because of how important your time is, you say, I got it, got it, got it, got it, I, I got it. Now let's move into how we can solve this problem. I, I know how the rest of this story is going. Let's not waste any of our time anymore. Or we jump in and we say, I know exactly how you feel. No, you don't. No, you don't. It doesn't matter that you have had a very similar situation. You don't know exactly how you feel. Why don't you listen and find out how they feel about that situation? They don't need to know that you have felt that before. They need to know that you understand how they feel. And so it's this issue of, of, um, of jumping in so often and, and solving the wrong problem. Now, it is... It is 
reasonable, kind of in all fairness, for us to acknowledge the fact that we don't have very many models in terms of how to listen well. I mean, it's, it's not uh, typically something, that, you know, you don't have uh, tons of books in the bookstore listed on how to listen well. We don't have models for this. If you listen to talk radio, they don't model how to listen well. Talk radio is all about cutting somebody off and about proving a point, and then if things do get nasty, they get to just hang up. And these are the professional communicators. They're professionals at this. They don't do listening. They do convincing. And so we feel sometimes that, that we need to emulate that, that we need to move in that direction. And our society, our advancements in technology are not helping this. The way our society is going is not helping this. Now, I'm a huge fan of the Internet. I love having the answer to almost every question. If I ever have a trivia about hockey or about a movie or whatever, boom, it is right there. It is a good world to live in. Big fan of the Internet, but it is not helping us in terms of our communication skills. It's not. My favorite screenwriter of all time is Aaron Sorkin, and he's credited as saying that um, socializing on the Internet is to socializing as reality TV is to reality, okay? Now, it, 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 there's a, a, um, it resembles true human interaction, socializing on the internet. It resembles it, but it's not true human interaction. Just because you follow the tweets of Shaq doesn't mean you're a good listener. Or what about, what about, uh, what about these bad boys? These little smartphone deals and, uh, okay, raise your hands. How many of you have a smartphone? Do you do this deal? Okay, see, I mean, it's, that number is up from some of you are just going to, uh, I'm new to it. I had a regular phone up until about uh, six, seven months ago, and now I'm, and now I'm learning to text, you know, but, uh, but uh, I'm new to this, this deal here. But if you go out for dinner with somebody, you're on a date, you're with your spouse, you're with your best friend. If you go out with somebody and it's just the two of you out for dinner and you pull this out to respond to a text and then you say, just a second, just a second. And then you go over and you read it and you start giggling because it's really funny. And then the worst thing you could do is try to, try to have that person you're with kind of get caught up in how hilarious this text exchange is. And then he said this. And then, and then here's what I said. Read that, read that, read that. <laughs> Check out my brilliance. Check out my brilliance. And then you're going, this is so funny. Oh, man, this is so good. What we do when we do that is we're communicating to the person that we're with, the actual human being. We're saying to that person, this is more important than you are. This is more entertaining. This is more fun than you are. So when I'm done with this, I'll re-engage with you. Our efforts towards learning how to be good listeners are being challenged by our technology. Technology in and of itself is not bad. But there are ways that we can use it, that we can respond to it, that are not going to be good for us. Have you ever had somebody model for you being a good listener? Maybe it was a counselor. Maybe it was somebody who finally listened to you. It's a shame if that's the only place where we can get a good listener. But have you ever had somebody who has who has truly listened and not just formulated what they were going to say next. Have you ever experienced that? 
it can be a shocking experience. It can be a tremendously powerful experience. In fact, it can be so shocking to people that sometimes we are willing to sacrifice our integrity and our families in order to connect with this new person who's finally listening to us. Sometimes affairs get started because somebody has entered into your life who is finally listening to you. Somebody who is looking into your eyes and listening to the depths of your soul. It is so powerful. It is so needed. We are so desperate for it. Do you have somebody that you could think of right now and name a person who has modeled for you how to be a powerful listener who has modeled what, Jesus, what James says in terms of quick to listen, slow to speak. One model that we all have for this is Jesus himself. We talked about a few weeks back that Jesus is the 3D model. He is the picture of what character is supposed to look like. That's God gave us in the form of Jesus a model, a touchable, seeable, walking model of what character is supposed to look like. And that character spoke with and listened to tax collectors and prostitutes, the people in the culture whom nobody else was listening to. He spoke to the paralytic by the pool of Bethesda when for years and years many had just walked right past him and finally somebody stopped and listened to him. Jesus understood everybody wants to be heard. Everybody wants to be heard. doesn't matter what your personality style is and maybe you have less words in your day than other people just based on how you, you introvert, extrovert. Everybody wants to be heard. And Jesus understood the power of being quick to listen and slow to speak. Would you say that you typically get in more trouble with your ears or with your mouth? We don't get in much trouble when we're, just, when we're listening. It's, it's the little tongue that gets us in so much trouble. And I thought about kind of reminding you of the number of times I've stood in this spot and this tongue has gotten me in trouble by the things that I've said, but I've decided not to do that because then it would stir you up and then I'd get more emails reminding me of the things that I've said here, maybe even last week something I'd said. But, but whatever the thing might be, stay with me here. The number of times that the tongue has gotten us in trouble. Turn with me to James chapter 3. James talks about taming the tongue. Taming this little thing called the tongue. Verse 3, chapter 3, verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Jump to verse 7. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison.
Kind of makes you want to talk less, doesn't it? (laughs) Paul talks about these three powerful examples, these powerful things that can be used for great things. He talks about the horse. It's the fastest way that humans at the time could travel on land. Talks about ships. It's the fastest way that humans at the time could travel on the sea. Talks about fire, that when fire is managed, it can produce tremendous power, and it can do amazing things. That humans have learned to tame powerful animals and creatures so that they could be useful for the things that God wants us to do with our lives. We've learned how to tame so many things, but the tongue can never be fully tamed. Just look quickly at verse 2 there in chapter 3. It says, we all stumble in many ways. We all stumble. The tongue is something we always need to be careful with, no matter where you are in your character-building journey, no matter where you are in your faith. The tongue is always something that will be ready to hurt someone, to spit venom, to be used in, in, uh, in ways that are not honoring to God. It is a restless evil, James says. The tongue will never be fully tamed, but it can be tamed in such a way to address the reality that everybody wants to be heard. It can be used in a powerful way to address the reality that everyone wants to be heard. Everyone wants to be heard. Instead of opening our mouths and proving that we didn't understand what just happened in front of us, we can open our mouths and prove that we did understand. Instead of instantly going to what we have to say, we can open our mouths and use it to prove we were listening. It's been referred to by many as active listening. It's a matter of using our tongue to respond to what somebody's saying to us. Somebody speaks, and it just simply starts with, what I hear you saying is blank. What I hear you saying is blank. And we just repeat it back. We just say, here's what I understand you to have said. And if we get it right, the person will say, yes, thanks for listening. They may not say those exact words, but that's what it feels like. Yeah, that's it. Or they may say, no, that that isn't it at all. Let me try again. And you give them another chance. What's so amazing about this is that most of us here in this room, we've seen Oprah or whatever. We know about this stuff. We know we're not supposed to problem solve. We know we're not supposed to solve the wrong problem. We're supposed to, we've heard about active listening. Many of us have heard this before. But the transition from our brains to our tongue has a roadblock for some reason. We get this. We understand this. Yet so often, you're going to leave, so many of you are going to leave this place having fully understood this concept. Get in your cars and do it exactly the wrong way on the way home or on the way to the restaurant. It's exactly what happens. It's so difficult for it to show up in our everyday life. Why is that? Maybe we just blow away this roadblock. This has tremendous impact. Let me just give a few examples, for instance, with your boss. If you say to your boss, so you want me to redo the Wilson proposal and have it on your desk in the morning, yes, okay. That's helpful communication. That's good listening. It can be so effective with your coworkers. If 
the people that you work with or you go to school with or you socialize regularly with, if they know that you are a solid follower of Christ, it's so often I find you'll be the one that they go to when life starts to get rough. There's this wonderful uh, uh, assumption, reputation that followers of Christ have that, that, man, when things are particularly difficult, that, that maybe that person who is more of a spiritual person could be somebody that I could talk with. I'm so honored on my, on my hockey team that uh, these guys have been together with for five years and most of them don't go to church and the whole deal, that we've had some rich conversations on the side, Coke here, et cetera, uh, with guys who will meet because they will make an assumption that I'll be interested in listening to them what their process is. It is such an honor to be invited into that. May we prove that assumption correct as we respond to people. When people talk to us, may we listen to them, not try to solve their problems, not cut them off and assume we've figured everything out already. This can be so powerful with our kids. It is the heart's cry of so many of our kids that, that no one understands them. I mean, when I was in high school, DJ Jazzy Jeff, parents just don't understand. I mean, it's, it's still the same thing. That kids just say, just say, people don't understand me. They don't understand how difficult it is to be in high school right now. They don't understand how, how much pressure there is in terms of scholarships in college. How difficult it is to balance the relationship between living with mom over here and living with dad over here. Nobody understands me. Instead of just blowing off our kids, may we sit and respect them by doing the best job we can at understanding them. At understanding them. And this can be so powerful, transformational in your marriage. Sometimes with our spouse, we think, well, this is the person we know so well. We can finish their sentences. We know the end of the story. We know their weaknesses, so we know how this particular story is going to trip them up. And so we're kind of finishing the story before they even finish. Maybe we're good at listening at work or with our friends. When it comes to our spouse, it's just you just don't have enough effort to, to listen well there. Oh, my goodness. There's no more important place for us to practice this skill than in that precious, holy relationship. Now, some of you perhaps are still not quite convinced of the power of this. Maybe some of you aren't. Um, I want to show a quick little video. I showed this video a few years back. It's my daughter when she was less than a year old. And um, this is an unedited video, just kind of some evidence of the power of active listening. Can we run this? Delilah, what I hear you saying is da 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 da. Is, is that right? Does that make you feel better? Yeah. I, I couldn't have set that up. I couldn't have set that up. What I hear you saying is boom, even to an eight month old. I, I think this is the number one most powerful social skill we can have. I really do. I think this will transform relationships. I think this is an incredible social skill that many, many struggle with. And James makes it so clear. 
quick to listen, slow to speak. That if we are in a world that is starving to be heard, who are the ones who are going to stop and listen? Who's going to take up that role? Who's going to be the one to say, to, to prove that they understand, to jump in and say, okay, let me make sure I've heard you correctly. Not with an angry tone, not with a judgmental tone, just with an understanding tone. Who's going to do that? I think we're called to. I think it is a character issue for us to, to work on this piece in our lives, to listen first and set aside. Maybe you won't even get to the stuff that you want to talk, to in this, talk about in this conversation and stay with proving that you understand. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Will you bow your heads with me? I want to pray with you. Father, I pray that this character issue would, would break the barrier between our head and our tongue. God, whatever it is that makes us understand this but not work it out but not practice it, maybe it is, it is discomfort. Maybe it just feels odd to say what I hear you saying is, God, I pray that you would help us to break through that and embrace the incredible power that is released through the skill of listening. God, would you bless those in their relationships right now that they're thinking of, of how broken their relationships are because no one has been listening for months, perhaps years. God, would you break that, that rhythm right now? That, that one person in this room would walk, would, would walk home, would go home today and say, I'm gonna do this differently. Father, come by the power of your Holy Spirit and move within us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.